Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in 1 John. Now last time we read chapter 2. And at the end of chapter 2, John is really warning us to not be deceived or deluded by false teachers, by false teaching. Um, <clears throat> if we know that he, Jesus, is absolutely righteous, then we know that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. In other words, we can tell if we will pay attention and evaluate what people are teaching and how they're acting with the word, we will know if they have been born again and if they are from him. And we, we will know and be able to distinguish a real you know, Christian teacher from someone who is false. Um, our biggest concern nowadays is really just the fact that not necessarily people <clears throat> purposefully teaching false doctrine so much as they themselves are misguided and they believe something that has been taught to them and they just don't know that that it's wrong, that it's false doctrine. False, you know, it goes against the word. And there are a lot of examples we could go into about that, but, uh, you know, such as, well, let's just take one thing. For instance, um, Catholics have a thing where they pray to Mary sometimes, and uh, we know that we should not. That's never been an example. That's never been anything that should be happening. Um, <clears throat> Jesus gave us one example of praying to God, and then... And I say he gave us that one small example. And then there is another example where Jesus prayed for all his apostles and all of us. And that's another great example from the Lord himself of a prayer. And he did not pray to his mother. And he would not have because there's only one God and that is God. And that's who we should pray to. So, and in that... These people were deceived. They were taught this. It's not that they are purposefully trying to be deceptive themselves. They were taught this, so they truly believed that. So that's why I say they may not have, um, and they may not intentionally be spreading wrong things. It's just that that's what they were taught. So that's just one example. There could be thousands, I'm sure. Um, but nonetheless, that was the end of chapter 2. Now we're ready to read chapter 3. Now I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Again, this is 1 John chapter 3. I'm starting in verse 1. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we would be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God, and so we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. Now again, the world, speaking of more of man's society, not the earth. Because it did not know him. And it did not know him. It did not know God. It did not know Jesus. Beloved, we are even here and now children of God. And it is not yet made clear what we will be after his coming. Right. It is not yet made clear what we will be after the Lord returns. We know that when he comes and is revealed, we will, as his children, be like him, 
because we will see him just as he is in all his glory. And everyone who has this hope confidently placed in him purifies himself just as he is pure, holy, undefiled, guiltless. Let me read this last verse again because that kind of read funny. I'm going to read it without some of the extras and I think that will help. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So in other words, if we have this hope of salvation in Jesus and God, then we purify ourselves through God's word, through learning and following Jesus and seeking the kingdom of heaven. I bring that up a lot because Jesus told us to seek the kingdom of heaven first. So we do that in God's word. So, uh, so as we seek that, as we seek after Jesus and God and follow them, we purify ourselves to be closer and more like, you know, just as God is pure, just as Jesus is pure and sinless and holy. Because that's how, <clears throat> that is how we follow, that's how we follow them. If we're not doing that, then we, we do not have salvation. If we're not following the Lord and God and purifying ourselves in the knowledge of his word, then then we are, you know, then we are not, I'm, you know, we're not really doing what we should be doing. We, our salvation is in jeopardy if we are not doing that. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing, being unrestrained by his commands and his will. So basically, if we're practicing sin, we are practicing lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, so we are, in other words, they are the same. That means we're ignoring the Lord and God's commandments on how we should act and how we should be and how we should be doing, how we should care for one another. That means we're being lawless. We're acting outside the boundaries of where we should be. We should be within the boundaries set in God's word. That's where we should be. Then we will be acting lawful. And as Christians, Jesus really gave us two commands that really sums up everything else. And that is to love God and to love one another. And if you do those things then you're acting within the boundaries and you're being lawful. But it must be real. It must be, you know, you must be really doing that sincerely and not just claiming to do it or professing to do it. <clears throat> Alright, so I'm going to continue on. Verse 5. You know that he appeared in visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in him there is absolutely no sin, for he has neither the sin nature, nor has he committed sin or acts worthy of blame. No one who abides in him, who remains in united fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. 
The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to conform to God's precepts is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference or rebellion, is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character, remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, God's purpose. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he's born of God and longs to please him. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose, is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his brother, his believing brother, is what this says. But I believe, as I've said before, that this applies to everyone and not <clears throat> not just Christians. If we only love Christians and we act despicably towards everyone else, then we're, we're still in the wrong. So, there can't be two rules. You know, there, we have to treat everyone the same. That's what God does. He has blessed us all with all the same blessings and all the same options and choices. And that's how we must be more like our Father and more like Jesus. Because we must treat everyone the same. We should, I think I've stated before, we should treat every, everybody like Jesus, then we would, we would treat them better and more appropriately. So, and I know, I know, not everyone is Jesus, we know that, but still. So this, um, this is a little long, but it's another contrasting that John is doing, comparison and contrasting, saying that, you know, if we are children of God and we are seeking God, then we're not going to purposefully um, be practicing sin. We're, instead, we're going to strive to consistently live an honorable life in God's eyes and follow God. Um, if we're abiding in God and having fellowship with Him, if we're studying His Word and praying and, and trying to improve and make ourselves better, then we're not going to habitually, purposefully be living in sin and doing sinful things. It's not that we won't make mistakes. It's not that we won't mess up. It's not that we're perfect because we've already established previously that we're not perfect. But we will be practicing righteousness while practice makes perfect. It's not that practice is perfect. So we'll be practicing righteousness. We'll be working and striving to follow God and to follow Jesus, and we'll try, we'll try to be righteous as He is righteous, and that means we will try not <clears throat> to be sinful, and we will we will mainly, rather than trying not to be sinful, we will mainly be trying to be like Jesus, follow Jesus' example, follow God's example. You make more progress 
focusing on a positive than you do on a negative. So instead of trying not to do something, try to do something else. Try to do, you know, try to follow the Lord. Try to um, always uh, be gentle, to always be kind, to, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning this lesson again. I've, I've learned this before in my life, but I feel like I'm learning it again. Um, try to be silent. <laughs> try to keep my mouth shut. Try to let others talk and, and, and listen. And then maybe if I have something worthwhile to add, maybe add that. Otherwise, just be silent and, and, and let things, you know, let things be. Trust God and don't, don't stick my mouth into it or stick my nose into it, um, unnecessarily. So I feel like, I feel like I'm learning this again. And I, and I just say that because, you know, we go through these times and trials in our lives where we're learning different lessons. And I'm, I think that's something I'm learning nonetheless. <clears throat> but if we're following the Lord and following um, in the way He is, the way He acts, the way He has done, and the way He does, uh, the way He watches out for us and cares for us, um, John plainly says, no one who is born of God, in other words, none of us who are Christians, you know, should knowingly and deliberately be practicing sin. You know, yes, we're going to have temptations. We're going to fail sometimes. Okay, that's 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 a part of our life here. We know this. We're going to repent. We're going to be forgiven. Um, that doesn't mean that we should purposefully be doing it deliberately all the time. It just means that sometimes we are going to fail. Okay, and what he's talking about here is, you know, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep following the Lord. We, no matter. No matter how much we're going to keep trying to learn that lesson and, you know, keep um, working on being spiritually transformed and spiritually mature to follow the Lord and to follow God and be renewed in that purpose, you know. And we should not be, you know, we should not be living lives that are, that are just sinful, decadent lives, okay? That doesn't mean you can't enjoy life, certainly. You can get out and enjoy life and enjoy good, wholesome things. There are so many things um, that we have here on this earth that we can all enjoy and appreciate. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we shouldn't be living sinful lives. We shouldn't be deceitful. We shouldn't be harmful to others. You know, we should be watching out, you know, unselfishly for others. We should be looking to be a blessing to others. I mean, that's exactly what God does and what Jesus has done and does. Well, Jesus has done it. God has done it. They are, I mean, they are continually always a blessing to us. I mean, so not only have they done it, they're doing it and they will do it. It's, they're, you know, God and Jesus they're, they're just continually a blessing for us. It's just, you know, uh, the blessing of, of, uh, of salvation, uh, of forgiveness, of uh, putting us in right standing with God and being God's children. Now, that's one thing he's making sure he mentions here above is that we are children of God. Okay, and we don't want to be 
confusing or confused and, and, and be children of the devil and think we're the children of God. No, we want to make sure we're children of God. You know, and it shows in thought and in action, you know. So, let's see, I'm going to read this last little bit here. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is one who does not love his brother. So if we don't love and care for others and we do not practice righteousness, which means, um, let's look here, um, because he is born of God and longs to please him. We want to please God. We want to help others. We want to live a spiritually transformed life. We want to live a kind and gentle and peaceful life with others and help others. All right, I'm going to continue on. Well, hold on just a moment. There, because there is that contrasting, he doesn't come right out and say this, but, you know, the opposite of that, the children of the devil, as he would say, as he's saying here, they are clearly identified because they don't try to do any of that. They're not trying to live uh, in truth. They're not trying to uh, help others or be helpful to others. They are living deceitfully. And they are really just looking out for themselves, very extremely selfish. And just what they want, me, 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 and that's what it is, you know. And when we're being selfish, if we catch ourselves being selfish, we just need to, again, focus on not being selfish by focusing on doing, like if we're trying to hoard up stuff, focus on giving stuff away. If we're uh, trying to... Um, greedily go after more and more money, then it's time maybe to to reevaluate and maybe give you know, maybe give some of that money away, you know, I mean just saying. I'm not saying give give away what you what you need to live on. I'm never saying that. But you know, we don't want to get caught up in greed and and, and doing things selfishly in the wrong manner. So alright. <clears throat> Verse 11, for this is the message which you believers have heard from the beginning of your relationship with Christ, that we should unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, and not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because Cain's deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Now, Abel... Cain murdered Abel. Why? Because he was jealous. Abel had a good sacrifice to God and was considered righteous with God. And God spoke. The, the, the awful thing is, and I say this is awful because, well, it is. It's, it's, it's terrible that it happened this way. God spoke to Cain and warned him. He says, man, sin crouches at the door. It wants you. You should overcome it. You should not fall prey to it. And he, God was warning him, hey, you do not need to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't need to be this way. You could be like your brother. But Cain, instead, he was covetous of that right standing with God and jealous. And, and it just burned in him. And he, he killed Abel out of that anger and hatred and jealous covetousness. He was coveting that blessed standing with God. 
and I guess he felt like he deserved it, but, you know, I there's not enough detail there for me to go into a lot, but uh, we can go back and look at that and see that, you know, God was warning him, hey, we, if you do right, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you will do right, yes, I will accept you, and you will be in right standing. But Cain instead went an, a total different route and went the wrong way. I guess he... I don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought by killing his brother, God would have to love him. Anyway, he regretted it later. But all right. So moving on. Um, just remember, you know, why did he murder him? Well, because he was coveting that blessing, that that right standing with God, and he was jealous that Abel was favored above him. But his deeds were, you know, John says because Cain's deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous and he wanted his deeds to be counted as righteous. But, you know, a lot of people in the world now think that they are in the right while they're doing wrong and they think that they will get even more right by doing more wrong. Hold on. All right. I apologize for that little interruption. Nonetheless, we were talking about Cain and Abel. And I was saying that, uh, you know, sometimes people believe by doing more wrong, <laughs> you know, they just go further and further down that path doing more and more wrong that somehow that's going to make things right in the end. Um, and obviously that's the, the, uh, the deceit or the deception that, that Cain fell prey to that, uh, by killing Abel, somehow doing a more grievous wrong was somehow going to make things right. And and that is the way Satan's deception will lead you. It will lead you further and further down that path, that wrong path, uh, you know, repeatedly uh, until, until it's the end of you. And you don't want that, and we don't want that for anyone. But, alright, <clears throat> so continuing on, verse 13, Do not be surprised, believers, if the world hates you. And again, the world being society and, and men in general, especially unbelieving, um, we know that we have passed out of life into... No, <clears throat> I, I read that wrong. Please forgive me. Sorry. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. He who does not love remains in spiritual death. Everyone who hates works against his brother in Christ is at heart a murderer by God's standards. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know and have come to understand the depth and essence of his precious love, that he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the believers. But whoever has the world's goods, you know, adequate resources or maybe above and beyond adequate resources, and sees his brother in need but has no compassion for him, how does the love of God live in him? Little children, believers, dear ones, let us not love merely in theory, with word or with tongue giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and in sincerity because practical acts of love are more than words. By this, we will know without any doubt that we are of the truth and will assure our heart and quiet our conscience before him. Whenever our heart convicts us in guilt, 
for God is greater. Okay, I misread that. I'm sorry. You know what it is? They're putting, they're splitting the verse. <laughs> they're splitting these verses in the middle of a, of a sentence. So I apologize. Let me try this again. By this we will know without any doubt that we are of the truth and will assure our heart and quiet our conscience before him whenever our heart convicts us in guilt. For God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Nothing is hidden from him because we are in his hands. Beloved, if our heart does not convict us of guilt, we have confidence, complete assurance and boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we carefully and consistently keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, habitually seeking to follow his plan for us. So I want to back up and just review these verses because there's quite a bit to this section. First he warns us, you know, not to be surprised. If the world hates us, if society hates us, you know, society has their gods, um, be it their entertainment gods or their science gods or whatever. You know, we believe that God is the source of all these things. And so we can partake of and enjoy some of these good things. Um, but we do not see them as being God. We do not see science or, or nature, creation being God, we don't worship that. Instead, we worship God, the source and the creator. We worship him. Now he know now we know that we have passed out of death into life how? Through baptism into the body of Christ. We have passed from death, spiritually death, spiritual death, being dead spiritually, into life. And it's eternal life as long as we will follow the Lord and follow God. We will have that eternal salvation, that eternal life with him in heaven. And he plainly says, okay, we know we have passed from death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. He who does not love remains in death. So if we do not love others, if we do not, and, and I'm going to again say, this is not just loving Christians. This is loving everyone. If we do not love others, Jesus loved everyone. He died for everyone. So if we do not love others, if we do not care for others, then we are still in spiritual death. Now, it's not a human type of love. Again, we want to make sure we understand this is a godly Christian love where we are looking out for the best for others. We're willing to help others and do what we can for others. But anyone who is, you know, selfish and is working against his brother or, you know, maybe hates his brother or maybe you hate someone. Now God is saying that we're at heart when we hate someone that we're a murderer at heart. And, you know, I have to say that I believe that is true. I believe that in the past there have been times where I've hated people to a point to where I was, at least in my heart, a murderer because I, I 
did not like that person or those people, whoever they were, and I'm, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I know I've had anger issues and stuff. And we, and that I know that in that sense, in my heart, I was a murderer. And that's, that's wrong. That's not the way to be. Um, no, I've never acted that way or acted out like that. But still, I mean, we know our thoughts and our heart. And when we hate and despise others, we need to come to the realization that when someone has offended and hurt us so and made us so um, upset, that yes, okay, yes, they're, they're in the wrong, but we need to feel sorry for them that they don't understand or know better. We need to um, appreciate the fact that we've been there, done that, we've been there, we've been like them. Um, we've had times where we too were offensive or, uh, you know, maybe hateful or snapping or, you know, griping or grumbling or grumpy and mean. You know, we've had our times. And so we need to give other people that same mercy and grace that God gives us and not hate them and not think that way. Even though sometimes some offenses are hard to get over. I know they are. It is. But we know that no murderer has eternal life, so we want to be extremely cautious that we do not get that kind of hatefulness and bitterness going on. Instead, we want to make sure that, like Christ laid down his life for us, we need to be willing to lay down our lives for others. Now, this says for believers, and that's true too, definitely. But I'm going to say we need to be willing, you know, to, to lay down our lives and we need to love others and that means being humble and not um, you know not always needing to be the winner not always needing to win you know the fight or the or have the altercation or have the uh, um, I can't think of the right word confrontation you know sometimes it's okay to lose that confrontation. Sometimes it's okay to, you know, let that other person sort of, you know, I'm not saying, you know, like allow yourself to be abused or anything like that, but I mean, we don't need to fuss and fight and quarrel. When we find ourselves getting hot or getting heated, that's when it's time for us to sort of back up and kind of go, okay, you know what? I'm 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 in the wrong. Somehow I'm in the wrong. If I'm getting upset, somehow I'm in the wrong. That's the way I look at it, and that's what I believe is true. Most of the times, unless you're fighting for someone else, then it can be a different story, and you have to evaluate those and judge those situations as they come. Then he moves on into whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and has no compassion on him, how does the love of God live in him? You know, and now, you know, how, you know, let us not love merely in theory. Let us not just give it lip service. Let's not just talk about it. Let's really have action and in truth. Let's really practice what we preach. Let's really love others and try to help others. Even if it's just in some small way, there's always something we can do. Um, you know, and we can all pray, and we shouldn't discount that. First and foremost, that's probably the first thing we should do. That's the most important thing. We should always pray for others. 
But then usually there should be something we can do, even even if it's just you know a card or a talk, you know, talk to them and cheer them up or or something. There should be something we can do, and not you know it should be a sincere act, something we can do to try to help one another, not just giving things lip service. Now here specifically though, he is talking about people who have the world's good goods, people who have. If you are a have person, then it shouldn't hurt you to share with someone who does not have to help them. So, and that is the idea. We should be showing God's love in every way that we can. Now, I know we have to take care of our family and make sure that we sustain ourselves. I understand that. We're not saying not to do that. That you do need to do that. And, uh, but, Beyond that, we should be trying to help others, and we should be trying to do that in a sincere way, and that should be something that Christians are known for, is helping others. Sometimes I feel like nowadays we're not known for that. So, I feel like that's been lost, that we're considered to be hateful and selfish and, you know, whatever. Um, and I understand that some of that comes from the world and society not understanding, but but part of it comes from the fact that we've, we're not always the best. We should try to be the best Christians that we can be. Okay, so, and then he gets to our heart. By this we will know that we are of the truth, and will assure our heart and quiet our conscience before him, before God. Now he's talking about committing true acts of love and not just giving service. He's talking about really acting out of love and, you know, let us not love with word or tongue, but in action and in truth. Then he says, by this we will know that we are of the truth and it will assure our heart and quiet our conscience. We, we can have conscience when we're acting in the truth and committing these acts and doing like we should. We can have confidence. Confidence in, you know, in our salvation. If our heart does not convict us, we have confidence. See, our heart will not be convicting us because we're doing what we can do. We're, we're helping others. And our heart will, <clears throat> our heart will, let's see, I'm trying to think of the right word, which I'm not, which is not coming to me. But our heart will have assurance. It will be confident that we are doing as we should. And we, you know, we can know that, you know, we're spreading and doing what we can to help others and we're acting out of love and that we're following the Lord and following Him correctly, you know, because we were not being convicted of, um, of ignoring someone's plot, but that we're helping them and doing what we can. And we know that these things are pleasing to God. So that's another important thing. We know that when we act faithfully and right and we are loving and kind to others, that these things please, they please God, they please the Lord. And that keeps that also helps keep us in right standing, that we're following his commandments to help others and to love others and to love him because that's what he wants. All right. So verse 23, this is his commandment that we believe with personal faith and confident trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, 
and that we unselfishly love and seek the best for one another just as he commanded us. The one who habitually, habitually keeps his commandments, obeying his word and following his precepts, abides and remains in him, and he in him. In other words, let me, because that reads kind of funny. <clears throat> if we keep the Lord's commandments, then we remain in the Lord, and the Lord remains in us. Okay? So, in other words, we remain in God, and God remains in us. By this we know and have the proof that he really abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us as a gift. So by these actions, how we act, how we live, how we help others, that's how we know and have proof that God, the Holy Spirit and God, abides in us. If we are not acting out those things, if we are not acting out in faith and in love towards others, then we do not. Then we do not know. Does the Holy Spirit live in us if we are just giving it lip service? If we're not doing anything, are we really saved? Then we have to question those things. But if we're truly acting out of love and, and looking out for others and helping others, then our heart will not convict us. We'll be confident and know that we are living out a Christian life and that we have the Holy Spirit in us and that we are... Um, acting as God wants us to do. So that is First John chapter 3. I want to thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you. <laughs>